Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I'm super excited for you to dive into this episode. Before we get into the episode, I want to address something because I get a ton of questions asking me what are the best training plans to follow or suggestions on having a coach, right? Um, and this is something that has come up a lot, especially um, you know after my 10th place male finish at Havelina 100, um, given that I've only you know been running for about four years. A lot of people have been asking like, hey, like, what do you suggest for training plans or a coach? Um, my answer always comes from what's worse best for me as well as others who I've chatted with in the industry. And so I'm sharing my perspective from that regards. And for me, um, I've been working with Zach Bitter for almost a year now. And he's helped me go from, again, starting at ultra running just a few years ago to placing top 10 at one of the most competitive 100 milers in the world at Havelina 100. Um, plus, Zach has held world records for fast. It's a hundred mile time and most miles completed in 12 hours. So when it comes to suggestions, I always recommend Zach as he is one of the best of the best. My suggestion, if you are looking for a training plan or working with a coach is to check out Zach Bitter's pre-made training plans or his personalized training plans, which comes with personalized coaching for your own goals. Whether you just want to finish your next ultra, hit a PR or reach the podium, Zach has made pre-made training plans based on specific races distances and your own running experience that will give you the day-by-day workouts and running regimen you need to hit your goals. And if you want more personalized plans, he offers those as well with email support and the option to add on consultation calls with him if you want to have more personalized support. So to check out Zach's coaching, feel free to head out to the URL um, in my uh, in the show notes there, um, or if you want to just type it in, it's zachbitter.com slash coaching, um, or you can go again to the link in the bio to check that out. Again, he's got pre-made plans, which are amazing for all different types of distances and experience levels, um, and he also has personalized one-on-one coaching as well. Um, I highly recommend Zach's coaching for your next ultra and uh, definitely work with him as he's helped me a ton and I know he can help you a ton as well. So I just wanted to address that here because I know I've been getting a ton of questions um, outside of Havelina 100 on, um, you know, recommendations for um, running plans or coaches and uh, Zach is my go-to man for that. So definitely show Zach some love if you're looking for a coach or a training plan and uh, visit that link in the bio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and I'm super pumped for today's episode because we got one of my good friends on here, Bryce Brooks. So uh, Bryce and I met a few months ago. Uh, We met through Shelby Farrell, right, who was 
asked me if I wanted to come on for a run. And then she was running with you down here too. And we kind of came together here. And uh, I quickly found out that Bryce is not only an awesome runner, but he's a great guy too. Um, and he is part of the Aravipa marketing team, which you all know Aravipa running, responsible for some of the most legendary trail races in the US, Javelina 100, Black Canyon 100K, just to name a few. Um, so Bryce is marketing there. But as I mentioned before, he's also a super talented runner with plethora of podium results and everything, most recently having three podium finishes, including two wins at the Desert Runner Trail Series here in Arizona over the last three months. Um, so we're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about a little bit of his background. Um, he's even through hiked the entire Arizona Trail, which is just nuts. I mean, I'm sure you've seen how gnarly that trail is given Mike McKnight's most recent attempt at going at the FKT. And we're going to talk about a little bit of his plans for next year, including a cool new race, which I won't spoil, um, of which Bryce is going to be taking on. So we're going to be talking all that. But without further ado, I'd like to introduce my good friend, Bryce Brooks, to the Everyday Ultra Podcast. Bryce, thanks for coming on, man. Joe, thank you so much for having me. And thanks for the intro. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. It's it's kind of crazy being on here with some of the guests that you have. So thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Oh, dude, of course, man. I mean, and like I said, like, I've always been so impressed by like, you're, you're, you're running out here. I mean, like you're out there crushing the podiums, but even outside of the races, like seeing all like the crowns that you're grabbing on Strava. I mean, like, I, f- I feel like you're like one of the Kings of South mountain here now. And now you're, you're coming after taking over uh, PMP over here, but I've just been super impressed with how you're able to perform so consistently, so well out there. So I'm super excited to have you on, man. The honor is all mine for sure. And, uh, you know, for the listeners here who may be unfamiliar with your background a little bit, how did you get into, you know, this whole world of running and, and specifically in the ultra distance and where you are today? That might be a little bit of a long story. <laughs> it's like, how, how far back do we go? Uh, I would say, so, I mean, I didn't get run, into running until later, uh, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's kind of a more of a recent thing as, as far as like dedicating significant amount of time to it. Um, I guess I first started running in like sixth grade, getting ready for football camp going into like middle school. Like they met, they let some of the middle schoolers go to like the high school football camp. So running canals like during the summer just to get ready for that. So that's kind of where it all began. Um, so I played football through high school. I did track for two weeks. And uh, it, I realized it wasn't for me, and I just I kind of liked enjoying. I enjoyed running by myself on the trails a little bit more than having the scripted workouts. Mm. Um, and then football ended. A lot of my buddies were all LDS at the time; they were Mormons, so they all went on their missions. And so it was me, and I had like one buddy left, my buddy Josh. And uh, we just ended up hiking. That's how we started getting into hiking. So we started bagging peaks around Phoenix just for fun just for something to do. Um, and then that kind of snowballed. We did one trip to Revis Ranch, which is in the mm-hmm. superstitions. And then uh, real, I saw trail signs for the Arizona Trail, and it shows you like 400 miles this way, 400 miles that way. It's like, what is this? And so then that started coming, and like we started planning for doing the Arizona Trail. Um, my buddy Dylan Harris, who worked at Aravipa for a while. He does some amazing films on on YouTube, Dylan Harris Films. Uh, If you want to check out some of his stuff on our Aravipa channel, like uh, Top Two, he's put out some really great films, Long Way Home. Uh, So he was in the break room. This is how we met, kind of. He recently got hired by REI. And I asked him, because he had done the Arizona Trail previously, for some tips. And it was as casual as he's like, I'll hike it with you. That's awesome. And so we went out. We did, he actually filmed it. And there's a video on our trip on the Arizona Trail 
Um, and then we got back and for his 28th birthday, he wanted to run 28 miles. And I've never done anything running, but I figured I got done with the Arizona Trail. Like I, I had some d more distance under my belt, um, gave it a shot, got destroyed. Like they probably got to the parking lot like two hours before me, an hour to the point where like I almost had to get a ride around the mountain to meet them, but I was too stubborn to do it. So they made them like wait on me. Uh, and then they like they were just so much faster. We went out and ended up doing our first ultra and I blew up and DNF'd and then after a couple of years of training, kind of got back into it. Did my first 50K at Pass Mountain last year. Wow. And it's, it's, it's so interesting to see. And I know like a lot of people are probably going to be diving into your Strava after it. But like you look at your Strava and it's like, I mean, you're putting up numbers that like you would think people are, or you would have the numbers of someone who maybe has done cross country for years or maybe kind of been like in that ultra distance for years. Cause I mean, you're fast, you got the endurance and everything like that. So it's so cool to see like in such like a short amount of time, like you were able to make all this progress too. And then you have roots on like the Arizona trail and like that kind of like chase for endurance. And cause as you know, like being on those kind of like long distance hikes, build that like endurance and that mental patience and everything like that. Like what did you have? Like kind of this inkling when you were going through the Arizona trail of like, Oh, I, I'd like to do like ultras down the road. Or was it more so like when this opportunity came up to run 28 miles? Like when did you kind of get that first inkling of like, yeah, this is, I, I want to maybe take this a little faster and, and kind of, throw my hat in the ring in the ultra world that's such a funny question so i had I, I had that specific moment on the arizona trail like almost about halfway through where i was like i could i could just keep running i could like i, I feel like i could run the rest of the trail at this point and that's and that was in the mazatals and then i immediately that same day when i had that thought is all like very vivid took two wrong turns ended up doing like <laughs> probably like an extra four or five miles and like two thousand feet of climbing because i'm trying to i was just trying to run with like a heavy pack and having too much fun probably and then blew myself up and if you watch the movie it's the point where i start throwing up <laughs> so that kind of set me back but yeah i mean there was there was a thought on the trail it's like your perspective on distance really changes when you're doing 20 to 30 miles a day and you've never done that many miles in a day up to that point so it yeah that was a big impact on me getting into running mm, so kind of like almost like when you saw you were doing 28 30 miles a day it was kind of like oh you know, I can do this distance, you know, one day pretty much fresh versus like 30 days on top or 30 miles on Tyler Duggs, like being out there for days. It was kind of like an unlocking of, oh, I can definitely do this out there. It was almost like a, it opened up the belief more or less, right? Totally. And then it, it, it's exactly that. And it makes you, for me, it, it kind of changed my perspective as I guess, as far as like a duration of an event goes, there's, it's, there's something, I mean, it's so big, 800 miles, you can't think about the finish until mm. you're almost there. So, I mean, every, every single like checkpoint, the next, the thing you're looking forward to is the Grand Canyon, Flagstaff, cause you could get a cheeseburger and it's just like, it's breaking it up in your mind mentally to do a big task. And it really doesn't seem that big, I guess, when you're doing it. And I think it's something that really translates. Mm, do you think like it's been like a big part of kind of like your success like when you're out in the races and everything like having that like strong hiker background so to say like because like I, I totally see that value in you know knowing that because I, I I for me at least and I don't know if you agree but I think doing 30 miles of hiking is tougher than like 30 miles like 
in a race because like you're out there for so much longer, like on those 30 miles, like, and it's a little bit more patience. You're kind of moving slower. Like it's a longer day and hours. So I think like that stuff to me is like so much harder. Like, do you feel like a lot of those things, like having that background has helped you to, to be a better runner? And like, would you, like, do you still think about like, Hey, make, maybe I want to go out on some longer hikes to kind of train my endurance. Like, how do you kind of think about how those two things relate in, in more of a depth of what you just mentioned? To, uh, honestly. So like, I guess the distance that I've been doing right now is mostly 50 Ks. Yeah. My longest run to this point is 54 mile, mm-hmm. te- 50 mile, 50 mile. It's technically a 54 mile. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so that I guess the fifty the fifty miles the one where it kind of play came into play the most. I feel like the fifty k's are over just so quick, and maybe maybe it's just at this point, like maybe last year when I did my first fifty k. So at Pass Mountain, I blew up, mm-hmm. ended up, I, I found myself in first place because the first place runner DNF'd and <sighs> unable to run. Like I literally couldn't run, and so just power hiking as fast as I could. I think I did like a thirty minute mile. Uh, but that's, I guess, where <laughs> I felt the most like a through hiker where it's just like, just power, just get to the end. Like it doesn't matter time or anything, but when you're going those 50 K's, it's like, I know 31 miles is it's, it's not a short distance, but mm-hmm. like when you're running the whole thing, it, it, it just goes by so fast. Mm, yeah. hundred percent. Like, and I w- we were, I was actually just talking with Tessa cause she was on the podcast, like few days before this. And she was saying, yeah. And she was saying a similar thing with the 50 K it's just nowadays it's like, I mean, 30, like you said, 31 miles, still a fast distance, but like you're, you're redlining for a lot of that and like really just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And it's, it's like such a different beast, so to say, to like get that like speed versus like that endurance. Like what, what about you really kind of drew yourself towards like that faster kind of thing, like doing 30 miles faster, right? Cause you got guys like Jeff Garmeyer who, you know, he's, he loves through hiking. Like that's like his jam. Like you can see in the progression of his like journey, so to say that he's, you know, just kind of kept doing these long, long through hikes. And now he's getting into running a little bit more. But for you, like, you know, ever like that first 50K, like you mentioned, like ever since then, you've been kind of hitting the more like faster kind of races. What drew you to more speed as opposed to the through hiking stuff? That's a, that's a great question. And honestly, I'm not entirely sure the answer. It might be, it might be how bad I got my butt kicked by, uh, it was mm-hmm. Dylan and Joe Hallway, who we did when we did the Dylan's birthday 28 mile run. And just getting my butt kicked so bad at that and just like seeing how much room for improvement there was. If I can, I wanted to bridge the gap to those guys and then you keep doing it. And I guess it's just seeing the progression and seeing, seeing yourself build year over year. It's, it's like really rewarding. It's fun. And you get to like, like be competitive against yourself, I guess. Mm, I love that. So like you just saw it as like, oh, this is like an area for me to improve. And it was like that that process of getting better that like excited you in that moment. Right. Right. And then, and then, I mean, the, the further you go into it, like the, the faster you start running personally, you start seeing other people like the, like the elites, the pros, the, the big fish in the sport. And they're like running just like speeds that it's hard to wrap your head around. Like, I mean, even just McDowell mountain frenzy recently, like to see Chris Myers go, run the like break a 10 year old record course like course record on there from rob carr and i mean there's they're just like the levels the levels to it are there's a lot of them (laughs) i guess is what i'm getting at it's yeah yeah and it's super cool to see like i i really respect like your like desire to like see that and like be like oh i can get better at this because 
I, I think it can be for some people, and I know this used to be like me in the past, is like you see like that gap and you're like, oh man, like I'm never going to get there or it's going to be like a long and hard journey and 100% it will be, but I think that gap can discourage some people. So I think it's so cool how you like saw that gap and saw it as like motivating and it's like, yeah, I want to like push for more. I want to like be better here and I want to strive for that, which is so awesome. And like you have made incredible progress. I mean, like like you said, like past mountain, you said you got your butt kicked and then here like years later, you're on the podium, which is like, or a year later, like, which yeah. is so cool to see that. And even, you know, we were talking about some of our times and I'll let you kind of talk about like the times that you cut off and everything because it's impressive. I mean, it's just awesome to see that progress. So I guess take us through, you know, when you had that first race at Pass Mountain, right? You uh, like said that it was it was tough, it kind of blew up a little bit. What was that journey like to make progress from there? And like, how did you like think about your training and maybe learning some lessons to help, you know, build to where you are now? Yeah. So so last year I, I raced a lot of 50K. So Pass Mountain was the first one I did. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was I, did, I tried the, the, the very first attempt at a 50K was the Austin Rattler run, 66K. Oh, yeah. And I want to say that was in 2020. Hmm. Um, and that's where I blew up really bad. And so uh, after that, I wanted to finish one. The, oh, the, yeah. goal, the goal is to finish one. Uh, signed up for the 50K. And my training up to this point had been going pretty well. But up to this point, like the longest distance I ran was the year before the DNF. Mm. So going up to Pass Mountain last year in 2021, I had not completed like a full 50K. Oh, wow. And so uh, didn't really, I, I guess I didn't really know what to expect mm. after I got to mile 20. And that's kind of where the wheels fell off. Um, but then, I mean, you just take that experience. And then I brought that into the next one, which is McDowell last year. Mm-hmm. And then I did a little bit better there and then went into Thriller, did a little bit better there. And it was just kind of a progression. I almost used the dirt series as like training races. Mm-hmm. And then by April of last year, I set like a PR that I still think might be a fluke at Born to Run and just like so significantly faster than anything I had done before up to that point. Afterwards, I, I felt like I was just kind of destroyed but it was almost like a, like a full season. So like November to April, just hitting a 50K once or twice a month at least. Mm. And I think that progression of using the races as training really like kind of blew up my progression last year. And I think that's why I was able to drop so much time off just like even month that month to month. Yeah, that's so interesting. I love how like you're using the races as training and like we're seeing a lot more of that I feel like now like with a lot of runners out there where they're using like B races or C races as kind of like this lead up to the A race where like versus maybe traditional thinking where it's like I'm going to sign up for an A race and then just like train on my own but I 100% agree with you. I think there's so much value in like being in that race setting and having other runners and the variables and then mm-hmm. being able to test like how you manage the aid stations and things like that. Right. Like what are some things that you think like from those races that were just so helpful for you to keep progressing, like, like specifically on those races. Cause like, I, I think it's such an interesting approach to, to take that and being like, Oh, like the races are my training. So for right. you, like what are the variables you're testing out or the things that really helped you to kind of make those progression in those, those races you were throwing yourself into? So the, the, the first thing is nutrition. Yeah, for sure. The, 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 the first race, I don't, I don't know that I actually did anything but water. I remember you telling me that and it still blows my mind to this day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not, not a sustainable thing. It wasn't healthy. <laughs> uh, so 
I mean, I, I still don't have it completely dialed. Like, so my last race, I had four springs, which is like a huge PR for me mm-hmm. in a single race. Uh, but salt tabs, taking those nutritions. And then, uh, I mean, another thing is just like running with other competitive runners who are like at the t- kind of the top of the field. Uh, like, for example, Nick Curry, who I've had the pleasure of running against many times in like the past 12 months. Uh, the first time I ran against him was Copper Corridor 50K last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I knew going into it, I'd read his blog on negative splits. I knew generally what his tactic was going to be, got out in front of him early in the race and then, uh, had him like, he met me at halfway through, chatted with me for like five minutes, super casually, and then just took off and did like six minute splits, went out and ended up winning the race. And you, you see that, like, it's one thing to read about it online, but then you see it in person and you see how, like his acceleration and at mile 20 and there's just no way I could possibly match it. And it, seeing things like that, or even Nick's very, like his, his vest change through aid stations. Like mm-hmm. he just, he'll just drop his vest on the ground. It's even being around elites. Cause like working Havelina hundred, for example, like you just, you see people run into their aid stations on like a regular basis if you're around headquarters mm. and so you're able to see like what they do and you're able to see what they're taking nutrition wise and seeing strategy so i mean it's just kind of like picking up what you see just being in the community dang that's that's actually really insightful i never even thought about it because it's not as much like of course it's like your own perspective right like your own strategy and nutrition like you mentioned before but that's such an interesting point in the value of like seeing other people out there too, whether you're racing or not. Like you said, like you were at Javelina working that and you learned so much through that, even though it wasn't like, you know, you were in the race. Like you still right. got to see that perspective in different things. And, you know, as you know, like, I mean, Nick, he's an American record holder, like super talented runner. Like I think he was, you know, he was in the top 10, top five ultra runners of the year last year. Um so yeah it's just so cool to see that perspective as well do you think that like that's going to be something like continuously in your training just like having these races in there and like using that as like the knowledge points and like do you think the knowledge points that you gain in those races are just as maybe more maybe a little less versus like fitness gains too because obviously like fitness gains is good but like how much do those like little tidbits like make a difference in the races that you're performing at uh, the, the pacing and nutrition uh, are, are probably the two major things in both of those. I mean, nutrition is just something, whatever I can get down without getting nauseous. I have a really weak stomach, so it's been a lot of like playing around and experimenting with that kind of stuff. And it's gotten better, uh, mm-hmm. like actually taking stuff in during the race and not just like eating five bananas in a Snickers bar before you go out. Uh, I mean, that makes a huge difference, but like, yeah, I mean, pacing, these like, I went out way too fast, I'd say, every single race last year. And then you start looking at, like, Nick Strava. You start looking at other people who who are the elite racers. And you see that they're going out, like, slow. They're going out conservatively. And they're, they're picking people off from behind for the most part. And then there's also, I mean, like, Nick ran three. So Nick ran the McDowell Mountain Frenzy 50K, the Tucson Marathon, and then was signed up for Thriller the next week. Yeah. And so, and it's thinking about this, like before you go into the race, I go through the entrance list. It's like, it's like, why not? Ultra sign up has it on there. So you have this, this resource available to you. Yeah. So you see Nick on there, you see these other people. I know what Nick's done in the past and I know I'm not going to out negative split Nick. Mm. So like going up to the starting line, I, I kind of made like an audible. I'm not going to try and go out conservatively. I'm going to try and go out hot (laughs) because, (laughs) 
because I know Nick is not. And I, I think my best strategy here is to try and get a lead in the first half of the race and then hang on for dear life in the second half. Yeah. And if I was racing against Nick maybe last year, that's not something I maybe would have thought in depth as much about. Mm. So it's, I mean, even getting down into like strategy and stuff. Mm. And that's so interesting because like that's, that's probably like the strategy that you devise is like one that like works for you, right? Sure, like, right. cause you got like, obviously Nick, his strategy wor- that works for him specifically is that go out conservative, but then you look at runners like you and like Camille Heron and like all these other, I mean, they go out hot and like, they get like that. There's almost, and I'm, I'm curious if this is the same for you. Like, do you get like that? Like, do you feed off that like energy of like being able to be in the front and like having those things? Cause like, and I think the point I'm trying to go with here is like, I think, you know, there's negative splitting, there's, you know, being able to pace a certain way. But in the end of the day, I think it all depends on like what responds best to us and like our mindset out there. So like, do you feel like, you know, that kind of strategy, like fit in with your specific personality mindset, all those kind of things like a lot better than, you know, because you could follow Nick's strategy. But if that's not something that works for you, like from like a mindset perspective, I think, it could be detrimental or anything like that. Like, I guess, how do you approach that kind of? I think it could. I think it could be like tremendously positive. I just don't think I have the patience to necessarily execute it well. Mm. Like I've tried, I mean, I've gotten better at not flying out of the starting line. I think I I, I just don't, I don't know. I think every single race is just, I mean, a little bit different, obviously. Like when you're in a trail racing, it's not, everything's not going to be a negative split, especially if you're like, you're going into like Cave Creek Thriller. Um, I, I guess I don't know what strategy works best for me at this point. I've kind of experimented around with like kind of a bunch of different, like going out hot, going out a little slower. It's, I don't know. Honestly, I, I haven't got it completely figured out yet. Uh, I, each race has kind of changed a little bit for me. I've tried different things. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the secret recipe is. I know some people have it, <laughs> like have like a dialed game plan for most situations, but I feel like I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants here, Joe. But that's a good thing. I think I think that's that's a valuable insight, right? Because I mean, like you're still you know very young, very early on into your career, and so like you have this room to test things out, right, and sure. put yourself in there. And I think that speaks to like how much progress you've been able to make because like you're just experimenting on things. You're like, what strategy is best? I think it's like one thing that is. You know, and, I, and I, this is like more going into like society and things that like we all like think that we have to have things figured out like right away. But um, I think it's so cool that you're just taking this approach of like, let me just try out different things and really just like tweak this one strategy. And it's like, I think it's okay to not have things figured out. And I think it's something that a lot of people don't put enough emphasis on because if you don't have like that discovery phase and that experimentation and that like trying out different things, I think you can leave a lot of potential on the table because who knows like, when you do find that thing, like it's going to be great, but it's like, how can you find that thing without that experimentation mode? Right. Right. So I think it's like such a cool perspective that you, you take with that. Um, I'm curious, like on your training as well, like what is, what is like your training look like and how do you approach that? It's, I feel like almost every run that you're out there, you're getting like a new crown. (laughs) And I'm like, is he like, I'm curious too. Like, are are, do you see like a crown and like, do you use that as like motivation in your training? Like, is it more just kind of you, plan out a certain kind of run and then you just end up getting them on there like how do you approach like your your training outside of those races sometimes i mean i I might have a little too much fun with the strava segments (laughs) um when especially when i was running around south mountain like that's 
that was like my goals. That's how I kind of like compared myself to other athletes around. So you see, you see like a, somebody, you know, is really fast as a time up there. I want to test myself. I want to kind of push it. So, I mean, I would use those as like tempo runs sometimes. So I'd kind of plan a route where I knew there was one segment or maybe a couple segments that I wanted to push really hard and just like target those. The biggest thing, I mean, it's, it's just fun. Like I, I don't want to burn out on this. I know. I mean, as, as ultra runners, there's no way getting around just putting tremendous amount of like time and effort into training, which, which I love for mm. now, but I, it keeps it fun for me. Mm. That's one of the things I, I would never want to burn out of this. And so it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it just, yeah, it, it keeps it more engaging. I guess it's not as structured. And then in my off days, I got my dog juice. And so we'll go out and bang out maybe five miles, four or five miles, a little slower on an off day on an off on an on day he's usually my warm-up so we'll do like a few mile run out here and then come back and then i'll go do my own thing but i haven't got as many of the crowns yet out here i haven't been targeting it as much and i want to say part of that is because i've been doing the dirt series and then in between is more of like a taper Mm. it's basically like race taper race taper right now and then now I'm signed up for a road race, and I don't know what the heck I'm doing, Joe. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, and I want I want to definitely dive into like the road race and kind of how you're approaching it. Uh, before we get to that too, I also want to like maybe go a little bit into the trail stuff because you mentioned yeah. like tempo runs, and I love that aspect of like making it competitive and fun. Like because for me, I oh, man, I don't know. Like tempo runs are like fun, but like to your point. I feel like it can be so easy for me to like wake up and be like, oh man, I gotta like really push it today. And you can feel that sense of like, oh, this is how people get burned out, right? Like yeah. they, they see a workout, they're just like, oh blah. Like they kind of dread it. And like, that's what leads to that burnout. But I love that perspective saying, hey, I got this temper on, I'm gonna go fast. Why not make it fun? And like, use this as like a base mark to like go after a crown out there that I really want and everything like that. So I, I, I love that perspective. I actually never thought of it like that. And I think it's, to your point, something that leads to not just progress, right? Because you're out there like pushing yourself and everything, but that sustainability factor of just enjoying the run, like, which is so, so cool. Like how often are you doing those kind of runs? Like, and I know you mentioned like right now it's a little different with like, you know, the dirt series kind of having those things signed up, but beforehand, are you doing like one tempo run a week, two tempo runs? Is it more so easy? Like, um, is it more so just how you're kind of feeling in the moment? Like more like a Courtney DeWalter kind of style? <laughs> like wh- how do you kind of think about that? Like in your own training? Yes. I mean, pretty much everything's by feel. Like if mm-hmm. I, if I'm sore, I'm going to take a day off. If I feel like I've got like no weight on my legs, if I'm feeling springy, I'll probably do something a little bit faster mm-hmm. or longer. I try to break it up. Um, Tuesdays, I usually do something a little bit faster. And then by the time Thursday or Friday rolls around, I'm trying to talk myself out of it. But sometimes I go out and do it. I'm terrified to have a coach. I think my coach would hate me. (laughs) (laughs) But do you feel like that feel like approach allows you to, again, like have more of that enjoyment in the sport? Like, like, is that just because I think we're hearing that a lot more now, like like I mentioned before, Courtney approaches it that way. There's like a few other, you know, elite runners that we've had on the podcast that have been more so that approach of like this less like structured and rigid thing. Like, so do you feel like it's, uh, lets you enjoy running a lot more? Like, I guess like, and like you said before, like if I had a coach, they'd probably hate me. Like, so do you think that intuitive lifestyle allows you to, to enjoy the running a lot more? Yeah. And yeah, 100%. I think that's like completely it. It, it, it's I usually run kind of like after work and it's something that like I'm always looking forward to like I'm always like I'm never really dreading my runs 
And so it's usually like the high point of my day is when I get to go out and, and just get a few miles in. Mm, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause even like what I was mentioning before, like you see a certain workout on there, it's like very, it can feel rigid, right? It can feel like, Oh, like I want to go out and, you know, rip this ridge line today, but I got like this interval workout on track today. Like, right, right. and that can be like, Oh, like you're not doing the thing that you like really enjoy to do. So I love that approach. And I think it does play into the success of you and other runners out there. Cause like, I think when you're enjoying it, like inherently mentally, you, uh, physically perform better. Cause like by the time, like your cup is full mentally, you're in good spirits. Like you're out there doing the things you love. I think that like speaks a lot of volumes to your success out there, which is super cool. Now, now let's go back to what you mentioned before about this, oh. this road marathon. Oh boy. So tell us a little bit more about what came that decision. Cause when I see you, right? Like on Strava, like you're always on the trails for the most part. I do see you're like a little bit more on the canals and the roads lately, which kind of leads up to this. So now it all makes <laughs> sense. But even before that, I mean, you were like all trails all the time. What led to this switch to go into the road world? Um, you know, I mean, so it's just kind of, well, a few things. One is I, I feel like I've progressed to a point where I would, I would like to see like a baseline. And I feel mm-hmm. like a road marathon is like the ultimate baseline for mm-hmm. any sort of, I mean, just endurance runner, I guess, in general. Um, and then we, I also got a chance to work at the Tucson marathon, mm-hmm. uh, back, uh, just not even a month ago, which is like less than two weeks ago. Right. Crazy. Uh, crazy. yeah. So air Viper's first road race got to go out there and work it. Uh, and it just looked like so, so much fun. And I, I don't know if they were having as much fun as it looked like, like from my perspective, but it looked like a good time. You know, it's, you can move fast. It's the one that I'm signed up for is the Mesa Marathon, mm-hmm. so, uh, which is a primarily downhill course, mm-hmm. starting up in Usury Pass, when it, it's just like the beginning of the course is just absolutely flying. Oh, really? Which, which I don't, it's different. It's, it's something super different than I've, already, than I've ever done. I've, I don't think I've ever done a point-to-point downhill race. I've mm-hmm. never done a race that's not either a loop, an out and back, or like a point-to-point uphill. Oh wow, interesting. So it's kind of like a the Black Canyon of uh of road racing, so to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so cool. And so, like, I'm curious, like, how are you going to be like switching it more up and kind of like being on the roads? And I know you kind of were talking about how like you're kind of in like this new territory of like yeah. interval workouts and being on the road. So like, how are you? kind of approaching your training going in are you still going to be running on trails like or like i'm curious how you're thinking about shifting these things and you know going to your training i know you mentioned like you're kind of still figuring it out but like what's kind of like the direction you're thinking about going leading into the mesa marathon so i mean i'm, I'm trying to make i'm trying to be more structured in my workouts mm-hmm. um i've reached out to a few buddies who are like coaches or road runners themselves and just kind of like receive some input mm-hmm. and they text me and they're like three on three off intervals are like your best bang for your buck. And then they're telling me like, these are how to do like tempo runs. And then like, <laughs> what was it? Two nights ago, I, or even last night I go out there and I give, I give it a shot. And then immediately I'm just like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing after the warm up mile. And then I just go for like a negative split progression run. Cause I just, <laughs> I just don't know. I just don't know. Like this is, it's a very new to me having never been a structured runner, I guess. And so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's different. I'm, I'm having fun running faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, I feel a, a bit lost as far as my training goes. I feel like 
it needs to be more structured than it is. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, mm. but uh, but from from what I hear, when you're doing a race like that, like structure is really going to help mm. the end result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've seen like a lot of people like compare the two when they say like training for a road marathon is almost like a science, and like training for a trail run is more like an art. Like, is there's just it's there's, I think there's so much more room for like you know being more intuitive and kind of just like being creative and like adding vert and like adding different trails and like everything like that and you know it's not like you're not focusing on turnover as much or vo2 max like on the trail whereas like the road it's like it's you and the road and you know it's just 20 always 26.2 it's it's very much like a, a science in that regards, which is just so interesting. Like, do you feel like you're liking it a lot, like or liking it a little bit? Or is it like, you know, you mentioned like kind of some growing pains in there. And I think that can be the case with like any kind of training. I remember when I first, you know, started doing interval workouts, it was like the same thing. I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like, am I pushing hard enough? Like you start thinking about all those things. And it's like, it's almost like, I, I don't know, for me, it was like anxiety pr- inducing at first. It's like, oh my gosh, like this is like whole new territory. Like, do you... How do you feel about, or how do you approach that? Like knowing that this is like a new world, um, but you still have that goal. Like, how do you, I guess, approach that, that new territory that you're in, you know, for maybe any listener who's listening in and maybe they're venturing into their first hundred mile or, or maybe first marathon or anything like that. How are you approaching that kind of going into it from like a mental standpoint? So let's see. So I'm about, about three days into training right now. I, I actually pulled the trigger, I think, three days ago. Nice. Um, so it's still, it's still all new to me. Yeah. Um, and I haven't completely committed to the road. I'm still, I'm still bringing juice out. Like when I get home, I'll run two to four miles with juice before I go and, and start hitting some miles in the canal. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's very different. You, you said it beautifully. You don't, you don't, it's, it is an art versus a science. You don't have as much variation and, in, and mm. in, in being able to feel it out when you're training for the road marathon. Um, I, I also like, I mean, even the little details, like, what am I going to do about water? Like mm. I, I want to run with my naked belt and mm. my soft flask behind me. And it's not traditionally something you see people doing out there. And how do I even drink water out of a Dixie cup while I'm trying to run six minute pace? Like none of it makes sense, Joe. So <laughs> uh, we'll see. I mean, it'll be fun. I feel like I have a pretty good base coming off of the 350 K. So, I mean, I'm not afraid of the distance. Mm. I'm more afraid of the intensity. Mm. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's so interesting you say that because, um, I recently did like that Ironman half marathon, like running section. And a lot of people were like, Oh dude, like 13.1 miles for you is going to be like nothing. And I'm sure like people are saying, might be saying the same thing about you. It's like, Oh dude, like you just crushed three fifty K's in three months, like 30 miles versus like 20. This is like nothing for you. But like, I always say, I think running a fast marathon or a fast half marathon is comparable to like running an ultra like in in a sense because like it's a whole different kind of pain like that intensity that redlining is i think it it can be like just as painful like a different kind of pain but just as painful of like running like a 50k or a 50 mile or anything like that different kind of things but i think um it's easy for people to just look at the distance be like oh it's easier but like right. that intensity is so tough. I mean, I even say like, I would rather do a trail 50 K than a road 5 K. Like, yeah, anyway, it's, it's less painful to me. Like, 
it's just it's yeah it's it's, it's very different yeah 100 percent. and it, i think it's um it's something that's not talked about as much and and i'm so glad that you're bringing it up and i think it's i think it's awesome that you're going into this road marathon because i think we have a lot of guests on this podcast who they're very locked in of like what what they're kind of on right like so if someone knows that they're like a mountain runner they're like yeah this is what i'm doing i've run mountains i'm going for utmb like all that kind of stuff some people are like more faster and flatter, like Zach Bitter. Like for example, like he's, you know, he just did Brazos Bend. Like he's very much like a, I'm going to run fast and flat. And like, that's kind of like what I'm optimizing my career for. And I think a lot of people who are newer into the sport are kind of venturing in, you know, they maybe see a runner who's, you know, doing those things and like, they're like, that's what I want to do. Right. But I feel like people rob themselves of like maximal enjoyment and results when they don't have that experimentation phase. Like, I think it's so cool that like you're, you're doing this. Cause like you're, you're kind of picking and choosing like where you're at and what you like and what you don't like and collecting these experiences to make you a better runner down the road. I'm curious for you, like, and I don't know if you've like, if it's more of just, I'm just leaning into like where I'm at now, what are kind of like your, how do you think about like your long-term like space and running? Like, I mean, do, do you want to like go into the pro space? Is it more of, I, hey, I just want to kind of just run. Like, how do you think about like your long-term goals and like where you're at right now? Cause I think you, you could make pro, I mean like for sure, like there's no doubt. And I think you're, you're pretty close to getting there for sure. Um, but I'm curious, like, how do you think about those things going forward? I appreciate you saying that Joe. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I honestly haven't put too much thought into like running pro or anything like that. Mostly, I mean, it's all kind of happened real fast. Like mm. if you look at my times from eight to 10 months ago, like I'm running 40 minutes per race slower. I want to say like on average for the dirt series, I've chopped 40 minutes off each race at the same distance. So it's like, I don't know, it's all, it's all being running competitively is still relatively new to me. And I'm just having a blast doing it right now. I haven't really thought too long term. I mean, I'm I'm pretty much year to year right now. I don't know. I mean, I like running uphill. I know that. Um, but I don't know exactly like where my strengths are in the space. So I'm reaching out kind of like I'm doing some of the shorter distance stuff this past summer. I did some of the uh, Insomniac night series mm-hmm. out here and did some of the night trail races that are a little shorter distance. Um, I mean, I've got, so later this year, I'm thinking I wanted to do 100K. Yeah. Um, haven't 100% committed, but I think I have one picked out. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I just don't know exactly where I fit in the space yet. And I'm still exploring that and still having a lot of fun doing it. So mm. that's just kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. And dude, when you do find that thing, like you're you're going to be deadly out there. Like I have no, like... Just to see where you're at in the sport right now and like the results that you're putting up in all various different outlets, right? Like for example, like that the hangover shorter run that you did, the 25K, smash that, like first place. And it was like you you dominated that out there. And then you're going out and doing 350Ks and you're also dominating that as well. And so it's it's going to be so awesome to see like when once you find that thing it, and, you know, like you go if you decide to go like all in on that thing like i said i think you have that trajectory for sure to go you know on that elite level like 100 percent. so but i i cannot stress the importance of like where you're at right now because again i think 
I think because you're taking where you are right now, taking it year to year, just trying things out, like that is like the key to success. I think not just in running, but anything in life for sure, yeah. um, which is super, super cool. Um, and then uh, one thing I, I definitely want to touch on too, because we, we didn't go too deep on it, but but the dirt series that you recently did, right? Yeah. Uh, first place finish, uh, two first place finishes and a third place finish. So podium in all three, all three in three months. Uh, what was, tell us a little bit about that experience and how, what is your mindset in a race? Like, and that allows you, you think to, to come out on top each time, right. Or, or hit that podium. Like, what are you thinking about? Like what goes through your mind? Like how did maybe one of the races go? Like, how do you manage those things to, to keep performing at a high level? Because, um, I think it's a whole different beast, like when you're in ultra marathon to finish versus like when you're trying to like win. And I know you were gunning for the top at these ones. So tell us a little bit more about the dirt series and then maybe a little bit more into your mindset within each of these races, striving for the top spot. Yeah. Um, so let's see, past mountain, November 13th was the first one. The first, first 50 K I've ran this fall. So after mm-hmm. the summer mm-hmm. and, uh, went into it wanting to go sub four which i don't normally go into a race with like a specific Mm. goal like time goal like that um and so i went out of the block and so for pass mountain i also roped a bunch of my buddies in the like in the phoenix area and hopping it with me Uh so uh i like at the starting line like tons of familiar faces so i mean a great energy uh went out fast in the hopes because i i figured they would bite at it and they would actually come with me and so past mountain, I went out fast and then turned around and there's like nobody coming with me. I was like, okay, here we go. <laughs> and so it just turned into go out fast and then hang on for the back half. And I almost got caught by Josh Walker, who oh. was, uh, he runs downtown Phoenix Run Club. He's, yeah. uh, he's usually a short distance runner, but he, he jumped in for his first ultra there. Oh, and, it was his first ultra? Oh, it was his first ultra. Whoa. And he like... I had six minutes on him halfway mark by the end of the race, well, less than a minute. Like he, he almost caught me. He would have caught me if he didn't know where I was, which I'm wearing a highlighter pink shirt. So it's <laughs> like, there's no excuse, but he, he didn't know where I was in the course and it worked out that way. And that's kind of how it worked out. Most of the season is like, go out fast and hang on. And that kind of seemed, I mean, I probably could do a little better time if I was more analytical about my splits, I'm, I'm assuming, but that's just kind of been where it's at and <laughs> it's it's worked out so far pass or uh mcdowell mountain i had a stress injury going into it oh when my calf was bugging me a little bit yeah i didn't know that and so i went out a little less aggressive on it um chris myers from la was just gone out of the start line that guy is he's he's very he's next level chris, mm-hmm. chris myers is very fast but yeah, I was gonna. I saw my girlfriend Summer on course as she was running the fifty mile, and I passed her. And I was like, I'm gonna tap at the next aid station, and then went in, and then just ran by it. Just kind of was like, eh, I'm just gonna keep going. I was like, I'll go to a half marathon, turn my watch off, walk it back to the aid station, and then Nick Curry, which he's coming up a lot in this conversation. He's somebody I've been looking up to in this space mm-hmm. for a long time. He ran past me, he shared a couple words, and then I hung on with him till like mile 15. And then I'm like, I'm already like almost to the next aid station. I'll make it there and tap. And by the time I got there, the pain was like mostly away and then just kind of like just went for the finish. And so like most of McDowell, I was planning on dropping for that race. Wow. 
Whoa. Um, and maybe I went out a little slower because of that, and maybe my final result, because that's, I think, my 50K PR at this point. Holy shit. So, that, I mean, I don't know. It's like that could have played into me having a more successful race is those mental games of, like, literally I only had to get to that next aid station. In my mind, I was going to drop, and then I got there, and then I just kind of just kept running. Whoa. So I didn't know that. First of all, I didn't know about the cat thing. And then I didn't know that you like made like pretty like it sounded like you made that decision. Like you were like, I'm going to quit, but you kind of kept going. Like, how did you? Yeah. How, how did you kind of like reverse that? Like when you're at the aid station, because usually like I, it can be so easy. Like once you make that decision, it's kind of like, OK, like this is the plan. This is what we're going to do, especially like if you're in a lot of pain and like you want to quit and then you like make that decision. You're kind of like. I think it'd be so easy for people just to, and I've, I've been there before, like I've, you know, quit in a challenge before where I, when I, once I made the decision, there was like no turning back from there. How did you switch that mindset? Yeah, I know you mentioned like the pain kind of went away, but I still think it can be so easy to, even if the pain goes away, like just be like, nah, I'm mailing it in. Like that's yeah. it. How did you turn that around? Uh, I mean... Some of it's just like just the the singular focus when you're running a race like that, which is probably the thing that I enjoy most about the racing is like you're just there's only like one thing that matters and that's getting to the next thing. And you can just be so compartmentalized in your head where you just so I mean, I guess I was just thinking about getting to that next point, And then when I got there, I'm like, it doesn't it hasn't gotten any worse. Like maybe I can go like a little bit farther and then it was a mile marker. Like I want to get to the half marathon just to, Mm -hmm. just so I at least get like a decent amount of miles in today. And then you see people run past you and there's, then there's an energy when like you're, you're running with other people and you actually see them on course, like past mountain. I didn't see anybody else in the 50 K the entire time. And it was just this massive positive split where like you're just in your own head and then you get to mile 25 and you're just like, what a, just keep slogging along where when you, you see other people on course in the same race you know them you're going to try and hang on to them for a little bit you're going to try and, uh, there's just an energy about it and that's mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons that i like doing the racing for training it's like it's there's especially when you're running with other people mm, yeah it kind of like brings out your full potential because like i love that you mentioned that because like when you're training and like you're in your head, you're kind of just like, there's no one else to like talk to or hang with or like, it can just be so easy just dogging in, and right? no accountability. I mean, yeah. there's always accountability, but not as like, you don't have a time that's going to go up on a website that people can see. It's, you know, I mean, how much do you want to like emphasis do you want to put on that? It's like, I mean, I think there's something to be said for it. Like mm-hmm. when you're, when you sign your name up on something, it's almost like a commitment, you know? Yeah. You don't sign up. You don't have to sign up for your own training runs, but you have to sign up for a race. You got to put your your initials down on the waiver. You know. Oh, it's so good. It's so so good. And I and I agree with you. I think um, I think like people, it's so easy to demonize those things nowadays, right? It'd be like, oh, like it's like, like some people say, like you, you know, it, the external factor argument, right? But like I think it's like if it's there, use it. Right. Right. Like external factors. It's like if you're taking nutrition and caffeine, I mean, that's external factors too. Like, you know, I think, I think external factors always will play a role in it. And it's like, if it works and if it's available to you and you can do it, like go ahead and do it. And I agree with you community, whether it's in a run or having a training partner, especially the potency of signing up for something, paying the race registration fee, or at least having that date on the calendar is so 
powerful like and yeah. and just knowing that it's like oh i signed up for this like i'm here like might as well enjoy it seeing faces out there um i think people uh, like don't understand the power of that as much and i think it's so cool like even when i was training for javelino like i did hangover like but that was like the only race that i really did in between the training and i could tell like sometimes i'd be out there running and not see a soul and it's just like uh but then when you're out at javelina and you see all the people there and you know because it's a very packed course and such a you know 19 mile loop um it's pretty pretty fun so it's yeah. super cool and i also want to highlight when you were talking about going from point to point the similarities of that when you were on the arizona track yeah that's true that's yeah. that's that couldn't be more true actually yeah that's yeah. a good point so cool so like uh, to, to wrap up kind of the dirt series segment and then I kind of want to talk about the air Viper racing team, which, yeah. which kind of just, you know, got announced, which is super, super cool yeah. to wrap up that, like, uh, the dirt series thing. How do you, how do you bounce back to, to keep performing at a high level, like three fifty K's in three months? Like I hear mm. that and I'm like, Holy, like that's, that's a lot of mileage in like a shorter period of time. How do you maintain the ability to not just bounce back and do the 50Ks once a month, but like to keep performing at that high level, right? Like how, how do you, I guess, like what do you think is the key to your success to bouncing back so quickly? Honestly, I, I feel like it's the frequency at which you're doing that distance. So it's mm-hmm. like, so after Pass Mountain, the first one, I was like, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to make it to Frenzy, which is the exact same thing last year. And then and then you do Frenzy and then you're like, actually, I feel better than I did after Pass, after you do that second one. It's mm-hmm. almost like like this compounding thing when you're doing that sort of intensity. For me, the recovery has been really fast. Like I've been out doing like tempo weeks, less than seven, tempo runs less than seven days after the race for, Whoa. which I mean might be a positive thing to have a coach to tell me not to do that sometimes but i mean yeah i mean like i'm just feeling it out having fun with it and i mean my legs have just been recovering kind of on their own i mean i stretch a little bit you know maybe not as much as i should make sure i'm eating enough calories so i'm not like just like losing tons of weight but yeah i mean for the most part it's just i mean by feeling things are going well and i don't have any stress injuries and so it's like i usually so Basically, I don't, I don't know. Do you have this where if you run an ultra, the next day you wake up extremely early? Is that? Yes, all the time. Really? Okay. Every, every time. Yeah, yep. I've got it out. Okay. I wasn't, I, some people were looking at me like I was crazy when I was telling them <laughs> that. It's like every single ultra, like I usually wake up almost to the minute of where my alarm clock was the day before. Yeah. And it's just this funny thing. And I wake up and I feel like the next day I'm usually before the sun's up, I'm hiking the dogs on the trail back there. It's just like. You just got to keep the legs moving. You don't want to, I also don't want to sit the, sit around all day the next day and do nothing. Mm-hmm. I want to, it's constant movement and then just monitoring your intensity, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. And I think you, you, you had a really good point in there. It's like the more you put yourself at that, that distance, at that frequency, the more your body adapts to it, right? Like, and, and you know, for the sake of keep bringing his name up, Nick Curry, I mean, like you yep. just said his race schedule. Even after, I think, Javelina, he was running, like, 50-mile weeks, like, the week after that. And he's, like, signing up still for all these races. And he – I mean, he's a high-volume guy. Like, he he gets after it. Like, I even remember leaning up to Javelina. He put up, like, a 50-miler on his own. Like, right. and then he was still out there hammering. So um, – and then even guys like Arlen Glick, like, you know, I mean, yep. dude runs so many 100-milers just, like, month after month. I mean, like, he did Run Rabbit. And then he did like Javelina, like a little more than a month later. Yep. Um, I mean, the dude, 
like, but he's like always up there. And I think there's something to be said about like putting yourself at that distance over and over, which I think is so cool that you highlighted that because like traditional thing would say like, I mean, even if you look on Google, right. And you say how long it takes to do for a marathon. I forgot the last time I looked this up, but it was something like you should be taking like three months off from running. For a marathon. Oh, really? Yes, it's something crazy like that. And I don't know what science there is to back that up or anything or if it's just a thing. But regardless, I think it's conventional thinking sure. to not do anything, to rest, to all those things. And I agree with you. I, I feel worse whenever I don't do anything the next day. If I just sit around and just be a lazy piece of crap, like <laughs> I'm going to feel so much worse, yeah. um, which is super, super cool. So I think that's freaking awesome, man. And, and congrats to all the amazing you know, wins that you've had over the Dirt Series. Like so, so cool. Um, to wrap the conversation up, let's talk about the Air Viper racing team yeah. a little bit, right? So just got announced a lot of familiar names that we know and a lot of names that's been on this podcast as well. Um, you know, such as Austin Horn on there, oh, yeah. um, Sarah Ostazewski, Jeff Garmeyer, I saw was on there too. Yeah. It's just so cool. So a lot of, a lot of names, um, that we've seen familiar on this podcast, but tell us a little bit more about the team. Um, saw some expanded States there this year too, which is yeah. super cool. It's getting a lot bigger. Um, so tell us a little bit more about the team and you know, uh, your, your thoughts on everything that's going on there. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Air Viper racing team has been going on for quite a few years, started by uh, Jamil and Nick Curry. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, I guess the purpose of the racing team is to kind of bridge the gap between you see like Hoka athletes, people running like NAZ elite, like, like professional, like elites. And then the people who are up and coming in this, in the sport and who are not quite maybe to the point where they're going to be paid tons of money to go run these races, but they're very like amazing runners like the like they're i would say that everybody on the racing team is pretty much an elite runner Mm -hmm. and maybe they're not quite to these sponsorship deals but it's cool to be in a space in in the sport where we can kind of support uh a group of runners who are in that position Mm -hmm. um and aravipa expanding so much especially like in the last year we've got races in utah and nevada and colorado and arizona And so it makes sense for us to have a presence out there. So one of the things we did this year is we did scale back on the size of the Arizona team, maybe slightly, or it's it's around where it was before, but we've increased Colorado Mm -hmm. quite a bit. Um, And then we also went into Nevada and Utah, which is which is very cool. So cool. And I love that you're giving like a, a, a team and a platform for the up and comers in the sport, right? Because I, I mean, even like the, the big brands, like the Hoka's, the Ultras, I mean, they're just getting so much more competitive. I mean, like as the fields are getting faster and people are getting fitter and it's just like those opportunities are so much tougher to kind of get into. So it's so cool to see you bridging the gap. And even like, I mean, the athletes that you have on the Air Viper team, like with you know Peter Mortimer and, and so on and so on, I mean, they're just so fit. Oh, yeah. Great athletes. I mean, like most of these athletes do have sponsorships too. And I mean, they're, it, yeah, it's, it's like this amazing team that we've, it's, it's great that we have so many people apply for it. And like mm-hmm. the decisions have gotten so much more difficult and like the bar every single year is just raised for the, even our team standard. Mm which is cool to see too. Yeah, it's super cool. And I think it's like a motivating factor for a lot of people in the community as well, right? Like, I mean, I mean, I'm, you know, a huge fan of Aravipa and just love everything that, that, that y'all are doing. And I think it's, it's, it's very motivating. Like for me, like I'd love to get on the team like sometime in the future for sure. And I see this and I'm like, oh, like this is super cool. Like it's a cool way to be a part of the community, the team. Like 
I'm be signing up for, I've got Samara Viper races signed up. Obviously, Black Canyon, Javelina, yeah. probably will be doing Hangover again, Whiskey Basin. Um, yeah, so th- yeah, a lot of interesting things going on there. But it, it's so, because I think it not just lifts up the athletes there, but it also lifts up the community and like people to kind of strive for it too as well. Um, so I think it's super cool that, that y'all have that in there. Like on top of the racing team, like what other like cool cool things that, that Era Viper has kind of coming up? I know there's the Spring Dirt Series as well, um, which is coming up as well, which is super cool. Um, but what other things uh, exciting going on Era Viper you have going on for next year? Oh, yeah. So, I'm, well, it's partial this year, partial next year. Mm. Uh, we've got Cross the Years coming up. Yep. One piece of that that I am specifically excited about is the last person standing. I can't even believe we didn't even bring that up even before the podcast. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying not to think about it, Joe. Dude, the names <laughs> on that list too. So you got you, but yeah. you also have Jeff Garmeyer who yeah. won it last year. And then you have Mike McKnight. Yep. Like, holy crap. So what, what? There's, I mean, there's even like, so uh, Eric Halston, who. Oh, I didn't even know that. So he went for the FKT on the Arizona trail. Yeah. At the same time, Mike McKnight was doing it. Yep. So he's going to be in there. So it'll be a little bit of like an AZT reunion. Uh, Local runner Aaron Barber signed up. There might be a couple last minutes. I put some feelers out, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, it's going to be, I mean. The bar, I believe, that will be raised this year over the previous last person standing event. So Jeff Garmeyer won the last one. Yep. Pretty handedly. Yeah. Um, and Jamil was in there too, right? Jamil was in the very first one. No, Jamil was in both of them. Yeah, right? I think he was right. in it last year Jamil, too. Yeah. Jamil had the cutoff. He had the 100K cutoff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh my so gosh. It's, uh, I mean, I was originally signing up for it like just to kind of goof around. And then I have all these people that I want to hang out with and run signing up. And <laughs> so now it seems like we're going for it. My uh, my big goal for the race is to beat Jeff Garmeyer. So. <laughs> if, if, if that's the only thing that happens, it'll be a massive success. Oh, my gosh. And Jeff's a – I mean, he, he's a tough guy. Like, he is just – I mean – just, I mean, FKT on FKT, Dude. you know, fifth in Cocodona last year with, I think, two miles of training leading up to it, which is something absurd like that. Um, and just uh, all around, just, uh, I think, one of the funnest guys out there. He so is, Yeah, having having paced him at both Cocodonas, yeah. I could say he might have the largest capacity to suffer mm. and still be enjoyable to be around that I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> Wild. That's awesome. And then going up against Mike too, who yeah. you know, I mean this oh, Mike's is a legend. Yeah. yeah. I mean in last year he did across the years twenty four hours, no calories. No calories. Which is nuts. Yeah. So uh seeing him with calories out there is gonna be super, super fun. Last question here, because I'm sure people are probably wondering too, like you got this in concurrent with the marathon training. Mm. How do you approach those kind of things, oh, right? Man. Like I don't even like, know. Like even for me, like I, I have, you know, Havelina is gonna be my A race again next year for sure, but I have like a road. 50 miler a few months and so obviously totally different kind of training mindset all those things so how do you kind of like balance you know a race that's so different than like a marathon while still trying to train for like this big goal race that you have kind of along their way man i i honestly (laughs) the schedule's (laughs) kind of worked out that way but um i don't know i mean i just like we'll, we'll just do it one thing at a time so i'm just gonna I'm probably going to be focused more on the marathon training and then just have the last person standing Mm. in there and just kind of see how that plays out. I Mm. do. I also will be signing up for another event right after the marathon. I'm pretty sure it's a week or two after it's a copper corridor. We're putting in a five mile hill climb challenge. 
Oh, nice. And so it's like, it's instead of going around picket post or in the south direction from Superior, it goes up along this the old 60 highway and just goes to the high point and then <laughs> right back down. And so right after Mesa Marathon, I'm going to be jumping into that full steam. So. Oh my gosh. It's just a lot of variation, you know, we'll, we'll <laughs> keep me on my toes, I guess. That's great. But, and I love that. I think it's so cool that you're, again, like I think the highlight of this, this episode here is, is and I, I appreciate you sharing all this, is like putting yourself in different situations, whether it's the last man standing, road marathon, trail 50K, like all these different things. Like, and like I said, like, I think it's just uh, anyone listening here, like I think, can really like I really suggest people do that because um again I think people rob themselves of it and like really hitting their full potential because they don't know what that true stride is um you know, or the thing that leads to most enjoyment and fulfillment yeah. and sustainability and I think that's why you can see some people be in a certain vertical get burnt out because it's like oh like there's other things out there and like you know you see people who maybe start off in the road scene and then they kind of get fizzled out by it, but then they right. go to uh, the trail scene and just kind of dominate it. I mean, we just had uh, Georgia Porter on the Georgia podcast. Porter, you also she, got like Georgia Porter, dude, and she's on the racing team. She's on the racing team too. Yes, there's another one too, yep. and she's just incredible. But you know, and similar then, background with her. And another name that comes to mind is Rory Moynihan. Yeah, yeah, he's going for his Olympic trial qualifying time right now. While also like jumping in for trail races and doing Grand Canyon off trail stuff with yeah. Pete Mortimer. It's like. Yeah, so it, I mean, it's fun to see. I think it's becoming more popular in the space to do that, and it makes me happy. Yeah, and I think it's just it it it's fun. It's fun to shake things up. Like if you're just running that kind of flat roads like every once in a while, or kind of just doing the same mountain climbs, like it just like it kind of feels all too familiar. And right. like you know, novelty is a spice of life. Like when we have like those new experiences, that's why I think you also see a lot more people doing like Nordic skiing. Like now, oh, I mean, the Europeans have had that down for years, but Dude. I mean, you're seeing guys like like you know, Jim, like you know, switching over to that. And right. I feel like this year I'm seeing more ultra runners in the U.S. doing Nordic skiing in the off season than ever yeah. before. And that just could just be me just kind of noticing a lot more, but. I feel like people are switching it up a lot more. Yeah, more cross-training. Cross-training yeah. is becoming something that's more like generally accepted as very beneficial. You know, it's, yeah, it is interesting to see. So interesting, man. So interesting. Well, dude, Bryce, this is a freaking awesome conversation, dude. And I think for anyone here, I mean, probably know Bryce if, you, if you're familiar with the Aravipa community too. But uh, dude, I'm, I'm telling you, I think like, you know, very soon enough. I don't want to say like two years, because I think it could be sooner, man. I think your name is going to be a... Uh, Gonna be out there a lot more for sure, man. So anyone listening, watch out for this guy on the, on the trails. I know uh, you you have a bright uh, running career ahead of you for sure, my friend. So super excited for that. And for anyone here who wants to follow along on your journey and kind of tap into the awesome progression that you're continuing to make, where's the best place to find you? <laughs> yeah, so I am on Instagram. It's uh, B underscore R-I-C-E Brooks. Um, I post there, I mean, stories sometimes. I'm on Strava. I'm on uh, the Aravipa Trail Talks, which yes. are generally every Tuesday on YouTube on the Aravipa Running Channel. Um, but you'll probably see me if you're at an Aravipa Running event. I'm, I'm, I'm a majority of them. So if you do see me out there, I'd love to come and uh, say hello. And Joe, thank you so much for having me on, man, making me blush with the intro. and. <laughs> So much fun chatting with you, man. Dude, so much fun chatting with you too, man. And let me tell you, I, when you see Bryce out on Air Viper run, it is a breath of fresh air. I remember, I forgot after it was first loop I saw you after on Javelina. Um, it was just freaking awesome. You were oh, yeah. super encouraging and just uh, cheering me on and everything. And even at the finish line, I was right. You were right there. Like that was a. Uh, 
that was super cool, man. So, uh, yeah, if you're looking for someone who's going to hype you up out there, Bryce is your go-to guy for that. I would have seen you earlier if you weren't running so fast at the start, dude. I blew myself up, though. Oh, it was too fast. It was so <laughs> awesome, dude. Just respect it. Thank you, man. Well, hey, respect to all that you're doing, too, man. And, and like, seriously, you're crushing it out there. And, you know, for, for the last question that I'm asking you that I know mm. I ask every single guest yes, on this yes. podcast. So hope you've had some time to prep. But if not, no worries. I'm sure it's going to be a great answer anyways. But... What can our listeners do every single day to be a better endurance athlete? So uh, I guess the biggest change between this season and last season for me is like uh, just the length of my shorts. Mm. I'd gone from length like, of your shorts. like seven inch shorts and now we've gone, I've went through five inches and now I'm on four and I might even pull out the two inch split shorts oh, for the shit. marathon. I'm not making any commitments. No, I'm totally kidding. Uh, I would say have fun with it. Honestly, the biggest thing is just having fun with it. Um, just going out there. It, I know it sometimes can be a little daunting when you have a coach and you have uh, your training plans. I have friends who are like, uh, just just make it enjoyable. Just do something that makes it fresh for you every time. And you want to look forward to your runs. It should be like the highlight of your day. So mm-hmm. that would be that would be my that would be my words of advice is to just have fun with it. So good. And I think we're seeing more people switch to that. And I think like, you know, you look at runners like a Courtney or a lot of like top tier runners, like they really are having fun with it. Like, and even so, like I know um, even it's funny, we brought our name up a few times too, but Tessa, that was her answer as well. And she's, you know, very high level athlete as well. Also on the racing team too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah, yes. Congrats to Tessa. Um, but like, you know, she's, she said like have fun out there and a lot of other people, I mean, Georgia was even talking about having fun out there. And so I think a lot more people are going towards that. Nicole Bitter was saying this too. It's mm. so, it's so interesting to see a lot of high performing runners such as yourself all saying like the have fun thing too. And I must ask too, I mean, I think the shorter the shorts, the more fun you have out there. I agree. You gotta, <laughs> you, you can't just jump right into it. You got to make sure the tan, the tan line's got to be in order. It has, it has to be a progression, but you know, we'll see what happens at Mesa. It might be showing a little skin. Right. Yeah. Well, t- two inches, man. That's like maximal fun right there. You're going to shave, shave at least a few minutes off with that. Oh, at least. Awesome, man. Well, Bryce, thanks so much for this, man. I, I appreciate you a ton. And uh, we'll put Bryce's Strava link. And, and social links in there as well. I'll also put links to Aravipa stuff in there too. Please check them out. Sign up for a race. Like it is awesome. I got my ultra career starter with them and you know, still going strong with them too. So uh, definitely an incredible company. And, and Bryce, dude, you're an incredible guy. And uh, man, I can't wait to see you uh, crush crush the the last man standing, the Mesa Marathon, and then also to the, the 100K that I know you're looking to, to lock in on. Um, which are you, are you sharing? Are you keeping that under wraps for now? I'll just say... I might do Zangre. There you go. <laughs> you heard it here for first, folks. Might do Zangre, and uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But Bryce, man, thanks for coming on, man. This is freaking awesome. Thanks so much, Joe. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. Appreciate you listening in. And if you have any topics or guests or suggestions for the show, I would love to hear that because I want to make sure this show is so valuable to you that. I'm able to provide all the things that you're looking for to become a better endurance athlete every day. So if you have those things, feel free to send them over to me on Instagram at Joe Corsione. That is my handle, J-O-E-C-O-R-C-I-O-N-E. And I'd be more than happy to fit it into the show, reach out to the guests that you're looking for, and ultimately give the value that you're looking for. Um, If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it. Uh, Would love to 
get more ultra runners and uh, people in the ultra endurance community listening to this podcast because the more this podcast grows, the better we're able to serve you as well. And so thank you so, so much again for listening in. I tell you, I do not take it lightly. And remember, my friends, become a better endurance athlete every single day. Take care.